No matter where you turn these days, you're faced with a dilemma in America. The fact that America, as we thought we knew it, may never have existed. America is called the melting pot. People have come from all over the planet to live in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Well, at least that's what I've grown up thinking. But the reality I grew up in is not necessarily the same reality that uh, most of my friends may have grown up in. And that's what brought us to the tipping point that we face today. Is it possible that the rioting and the pillaging that we're seeing in our streets these days just might have something to do with flawed parenting techniques that grew out of the 1960s? Have American parents unintentionally raised some full-grown, emotionally immature, out-of-control kids living in adult bodies who are throwing temper tantrums with little to no accountability or consequences? Perhaps. But remember, it likely all started in the home. This is Licensed to Parent. Well, hello and welcome to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program working with teens in crisis and, well, by extension, working with their entire families. Our host on Licensed to Parent is the founder and director of Shepherds Hill, Trace Embry, and I'm Rich Rosell. And Trace, it's really almost inconceivable that the attitudes and the values of American citizens have gone so far astray from what our nation, I thought, has always considered to be prudent, civil, and patriotic. But we're saying that it starts in the home. So where have we gone wrong? And I guess more importantly, how do we fix it? Yeah, no, I'll answer that. But first, it was nearly 20 years ago now when I pulled into a motorcycle shop to get a part for my bike when one of the employees that was actually working there volunteered to help me install the part right there in the parking lot. And as he was crouching down to install the part, I was standing behind him when I said to this guy, man, it's sure nice to see a healthy work ethic in America again. And what took place next, I'll never forget. This guy slowly turns around. He looks up at me. He pulls a cigarette out of his mouth. and He says, America? Son, America's over. And then he calmly put his cigarette back in his mouth and started uh, to work on my bike again. He didn't tell me anything that I hadn't already feared. But to hear it come out of the mouth of a blue-collar average Joe in such a matter-of-fact way, really impacted me to the reality that uh, what I feared was actually happening to our country. No, uh, this is third-world stuff, certainly, right? Uh, But not here. But France, Germany, Russia, and many others aren't third-world either. So back to your question. I think our American families have become way too preoccupied with work, entertainment, and self-indulgence. So think about it. While parents are working themselves to death today, Rich, uh, kids are entertaining themselves to death. Consequently, few of us have stopped to notice that we're losing our nation to an insurgent enemy or enemies. So the insane things that many in our nation have been believing and experiencing lately, uh, whether it's the redefinition of what it means to be a male or female, or right and wrong, good becoming evil, evil good, uh, ugly becoming beautiful, are just not getting challenged by enough of the right people with big enough platforms. And... Those who do stand up and speak out are getting shouted down pretty quickly and accused of being racist, whatever-aphobic, or other gaslighting techniques that lead to uh, the accused getting blackballed, fired, or otherwise ruined career-wise. I mean, who's actually training our kids to uh, adequately challenge this nonsense? It appears to me that we're not training our kids in much of anything anymore. We're giving them over to the state to do it. We've given them up to the Internet to do it. We don't discipline them. We're afraid to. 
We don't take the proper time and attention to help them or ourselves think rationally or critically anymore. If we did, we wouldn't have so many young people willing to engage in the insanity that we're seeing to make their point. Which brings me to another point. Most of these writers don't have a point. And the the ones who say they do uh, couldn't tell you what the point is. These are kids who've never been trained to control their emotions, nor have they ever been trained to submit their emotions to logic or wisdom, uh, and certainly not to God. These writers are the kind of kids who threw temper tantrums in Walmart while the parent looks around and sheepishly says, I can't do anything with them. As my pastor would say, give me the little 40-pound narcissistic anarchist. I'll show you what to do with them. The problem today is that little 40-pound narcissistic anarchist is now a 28-year-old, 200-pound narcissistic anarchist with a law degree, no less, and one they likely got cheating his way through school. Well, Trace, you asked who's training our kids to adequately challenging things that they find to be nonsense. So we've invited back to our program one of the most challenging people we know. I'm kidding there, but Alex McFarland is a speaker, a writer, and an advocate for Christian apologetics. He wants you to know the word and know how to apply it to your life. Um, He has uh, spoken in hundreds of locations all around the world. He's preached in over 1,500 different churches in North America and internationally and has been featured in numerous national conferences as well, though obviously in recent days most of those conferences have have had to grind to a halt. But back in 2006, Alex was named the third president of Southern Evangelical Seminary and College located in Charlotte, North Carolina. He served in that role for five years, during which time that school saw unprecedented growth. Prior to that, he served as Focus on the Family's first ever director of teen apologetics. Uh, Now living and working in his uh, home state of North Carolina, though, Alex McFarland has been named one of 40 leaders under the age of 40, at least at the time, by the JCs. He's the only evangelist known to have preached in all 50 states in only 50 days through his tour of truth. Uh, This crusade across America included 64 evangelistic services and became the subject of his first book. And speaking of books, we are delighted to have Alex back with us today on Licensed to Parent to talk about his latest book. In fact, it's due out in September. It's called America Under Assault, The Things We Must Do to Save Our Country While There's Still Time. Well, Alex, welcome back to the Conspiracy Theory edition of Licensed to Parent. Wow, thank you guys so much. It's always a, a blessing to be on. That's a very gracious introduction. But uh hey, I'm I'm just having my daily edition of the Trace Embry fan club. So you guys are welcome to join because he's a really great guy. Well, I appreciate that, Alex. Listen, I, I used to be a lot more tentative about making claims of foreign influence on the taking down of America from within. But I'm done with that, man, because because our nation is being destroyed by an insurgent enemy. And, and they're doing this by destroying our families and indoctrinating our kids to rebel against not just their country and their God, but against their parents, too. I mean, Hitler did it. Many other nations did it. And, and the first and most basic form of government is the nuclear family. And we all know what's happening uh, to that in, in, in recent times. So it's, it's time to say that the emperor really is naked by looking at the evidence because— you know, it's all so pertinent to how we have to educate our kids and raise them today. So I'd like to have your thoughts on that. You know, it's funny you would um, use the analogy of the emperor's new clothes. I actually uh, spoke at an event about a week ago, and I used that. You know, very famous story in 1837, Hans Christian Andersen wrote the story of an emperor who was so vain, he bought all these clothes and it even jeopardized the finances of the kingdom. So these people said, um, hey, here, here's this magic fabric, these new clothes, and 
Um, anybody who can't see this fabric, they're, they're ignorant and stupid. And so finally, the adults, they were afraid to call out the obvious that the, the emperor is marching through town in nothing but underwear. And finally, a child, and children are very black and white thinkers, a child cried out, hey, he's naked, you know. Right. Uh, the new clothes, there are no new clothes. Well, I, I think that's the way it is in our society. I mean, um, who's going to have the courage and the conviction to clearly call out, look, males and females can't change gender. Right. Gender is not fluid. Um, looking at pornography dehumanizes uh, people, both the the subject and the recipient. And it, it's destroying our brains and impacting the way that our, our neurons function. Mm-hmm. Pornography and explicitness is warping the way that husbands and wives interact. And so the, the idea that we can live a lawless, anarchical culture with no moral foundation and we can just be um, militantly autonomous without negative repercussions... Uh, it, it's a farce, and trace the emperor's new clothes. That's a perfect analogy, yeah. because uh, to paraphrase scripture, we're, we're naked, wretched, and destitute, and we don't even know it. Mm. Boy, you're right about that. I haven't obviously read your book, America Under Fire. Why is America under fire? Who's assaulting us? Why are they assaulting us? And what can parents help do to prepare their kids to uh, counteract this assault? And revive America. Well, uh, you know, let me just say this. Uh, About six months ago in the Wall Street Journal was an article by a man named Michael Blackman. And Blackman had been the campaign director for Robert F. Kennedy in 1968, RFK, you know, before he was tragically assassinated and he never even got to finish his candidacy. But um, Blackman wrote an article in the Wall Street Journal and he said that he could not be a Democrat anymore. And he's a Jewish man, um, as far as I know, not a Christian, and he wasn't writing this article in terms of, you know, some deep-seated spiritual convictions. But he said, look, um, Joe Biden just said there's no place in the Democrat Party for a person who is not pro-choice. Joe Biden basically said, um, you know, if if you're black, you can't vote Republican. You have to vote Democrat. And if you vote Republican, you're not black. And so Blackman writes, and this relates to why I do believe that America is under attack, that look, the Democrat Party has taken such a hard left turn. And it's one thing to be, you know, socially liberal and to believe in, you know, things like welfare or government programs. But so many people that are elected officials and aspiring uh, politicians, that they're, they're embracing socialism, and they're really embracing viewpoint discrimination. If you believe in God, if you believe in absolute morality, if you actually believe that the best context for a child to grow up is in a home with the biological mom and the biological dad, if you believe in the family— if you believe that heterosexuality, heterosexual monogamy is right and therefore deviant sexualities and transgenderism, homosexuality, um, serial promiscuity, if you believe those are wrong, uh, you're phobic, you're a hater. Right. And so the, the reason that I honestly believe 
that our Constitution is at risk, and therefore all of our liberties and freedoms hang in the balance, is because, as uh, Third President James Madison said, um, that the Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate for the governance of any other. We are a lawless culture, and ultimately, uh, it's it's been a few decades in the making, but our absolute repudiation of morality and God, it's catching up with us, and we see it every day in the news. No, absolutely right. All growing up, my kids, my own kids have heard me talking about outside influences trying to bring America down from within. Uh, you know, Khrushchev talked about it in 60. Sure. Uh, through decadent entertainment, our education system, and everything else having to do with our, you know, our infrastructure, including the legal and political systems and, and media. Several years ago, I heard a radio interview with a former Russian KGB agent saying the same thing. And, and, and even giving all the details on how it was going to be done. Uh, but I've never been able to find his name or the interview on the internet. Of all people, my 22-year-old daughter sent me an interview of another KGB defector saying the same exact stuff. So I'm urging all of our listeners to Google Iowa Pre uh, Representative Steve King's YouTube video clip of KGB defector Yuri Bezmanov. You ever heard of this guy, Alex? Y yes, absolutely. Okay, and there, and there are a little longer, more detailed clips of Bezmanov, but King's clip will curl your hair and prompt you to educate yourself and your kids as to what we're all really up against with uh, respect to being indoctrinated with some insane propaganda. And though these clips are over 30 years old, they'll make total sense of the nonsense that we're seeing in America today. So, Alex... Why does this make me a conspiracy theorist to be discredited as uh, opposed to someone who might have some insights uh, that uh, maybe most people are, are too busy with their nose and their smartphone to really look at? Uh, Trace, I remember 17 years ago when I went to work for James Dobson, and uh, you and I both love Dr. Dobson. I mean, I, I cannot overstate what a fine Christian man he is who also just happens to be brilliant. Mm -hmm. But Dr. Dobson... Uh, hired me 17 years ago, and some of my, even some of my pastor friends uh, said, oh, well, you know, he's kind of out there, Alex, you know, you need to be careful. That Dobson, man, he's radical. He right. says, the, he says that one day the government will tell us that churches can't meet. You know, one day, mm. uh, Dobson says one day the U.S. Supreme Court will say what is and isn't marriage, and that, that someday gay rights will be the same as civil rights. And that Dobson guy is kind of radical. Be careful. Hey, listen, mm -hmm. I knew Chuck Colson personally, in fact, sat with his family at his funeral at the National Cathedral. James Dobson, Chuck Colson, Jerry Falwell, Don Wildman, Phyllis Schlafly, D. James Kennedy, Bill Bright, Adrian Rogers, the late, great Ravi Zacharias, everything these people said, if anything... Besides, it was 100% accurate, prophetic, but if anything, they understated. That's right. And the, Francis Schaeffer the before them. Francis Schaeffer, who passed away in 1986. Francis Schaeffer. I would encourage people to go back, dig back, and read, um, well, for one thing, A Christian Manifesto by Schaeffer, mm -hmm. and then The Great Evangelical Disaster. Mm -hmm. And let me say to all the pastors listening, um, by God's grace, I've pastored two churches. I've spoken in 2300, and, and I know the fine line of di diplomacy that many pastors think they have to walk. And it's like, you know, oh, I can't speak about moral and social political issues. Let me say this to pastors. Uh, first of all, as a church, 
you don't have to apply for nor get 501c3 status. Since the late 1890s, churches by law are tax exempt. So pastor, you could get up and preach a political sermon 52 weeks a year and your tax status will not be jeopardized. But here's here's one of the most recent Barna studies. 74% of all parishioners want their clergy to speak on moral, social, and political issues, but only 12% do. Yeah. And you can't Pastors, separate them. They're, they're all intertwined. I know. I was about to say the challenge, the challenge by not speaking on them is that you continue the great divide between what we do on Sunday exactly. and what we do with our lives. If it doesn't apply to what's happening in real time in real life, especially with this younger generation, then they don't want anything to do with it. Uh, they got a lot of things occupying their time these days. And uh, if it's not relevant to you know the street, you're wasting your time. As, as a pastor. And what we're trying to do today, of course, is address some of the issues that are in our face right now on the streets of America. And we're talking with our special guest, Alex McFarland, uh, author of a book that's due out in September called America Under Assault, The Things We Must Do to Save Our Country While There's Still Time. You're listening to Licensed to Parent, back with more with Alex right after this. In today's digital age, there's more access than ever to digital devices. With technology constantly evolving to make our lives easier, is it any wonder that many feel as though they just can't live without it? Digital addiction can be just as chemically debilitating as drugs. Time in front of a screen can drastically affect the life of your child. For starters, your child may choose technology over simple things like playing outside and engaging in exercise, acquiring a job, and gaining life experience. To learn more about how digital addiction can affect your child, visit helpmytroubledteen.org, click on Resources, and look for the article, What is Digital Addiction? Parenting isn't easy. Shepherd's Hill Academy wants to equip you with resources for all areas and issues of life. Discover a variety of ebooks, podcasts, links, and more to help you navigate the parenting landscape. Help by Is your teen's behavior dangerous? Your child's behavior may seem incredibly volatile during the teenage years. Sometimes the signs and symptoms come and go quickly as your child is growing, but other times behaviors are developed and nurtured that will lead to unhealthy choices. Here are a few items to consider. Does your teen refuse to abide by anything you say or request? Is your teen displaying behavior that's a marked change from what has been normal? Has your teen become increasingly disrespectful, dishonest, and disobedient, and openly rebellious? Go to HelpMyTroubledTeen.org and take the quiz, Is My Teen Troubled? While some behavioral issues are minor and best resolved at home, there are warning signs that your teen may need a more structured approach to get them on a healthy, constructive path. And Shepherd's Hill Academy is here to help. Visit HelpMyTroubledTeen.org and click on Is My Teen Troubled? HelpMyTroubledTeen.org.
This is Licensed to Parent. You'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. And by the way, while you're there, you can listen to any of the past programs that we've recorded and uh, get all caught up. And some of those past programs that you might want to hear are those with our guest today, Alex McFarland. We're glad to have him back with us. And we're talking about his soon-to-be-released book. It's due out in September called America Under Assault, The Things We Must Do to Save Our Country While There's Still Time. Trace? Alex, in addition to prayer, uh, what can parents do to help their kids get back to the, the, the critical thinking capacities that they need and, and the historical uh, accuracy they need to really understand the issues of today? They seem to have surrendered all that to the public school system, the Internet, and the culture. Can you uh, comment on that? Wow. Well, um, let, let's talk about child rearing from uh, toddlerhood up. Even though I know that many of the people listening probably their their kids are older than that, but I, I'm always encouraged, Trace, when parents read the Bible to their children or read Bible stories. And one of the best ways to create a culture of literacy in your home is to just make it a part of of your life that you're always daily reading God's Word. Right. Um, and it can start with Bible story books and picture books, and then read the Bible before bed, just two, three, four minutes. Read some Bible with your children, say prayers, and then when they're old enough to read, let them read. Um, You know, we make time for that thing that we think is important. That's right. So create a culture of literacy, make the starting point of that the Word of God, but thirdly, and this is really, really one of my core values, Angie and I just really believe this, We've got to talk about the stewardship of the mind. You know, the Bible talks about we're, we're not owners, we're stewards. And stewards will one day give an account. Mm. Here's the thing. When a young person is a strong reader, they can excel in any subject. Yeah, Maybe right. there'll be some that, that they're stronger in than others. The, the English history people generally are not as strong in math and science, and the math and science people generally um, maybe have a harder time with English and history and the the arts. But I would say this, cultivate a culture of literacy in your home, make the Bible the starting point of that, but drill into your kids the stewardship of the mind. And one of the great benefits is they'll, they'll probably do better in school, and of course there's many, many reasons why it's in all of our best interests that our kids and any of us do well in school. But uh, I think as a Christian, it's it dishonors God just to veg out playing video games or watching cat videos on YouTube. Couldn't agree more. Read a book. Yeah. And, and require and, it. That's the problem. Pa- parents don't require it. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I say to moms today, repeat after me, I am the parent. Yeah. Believe it. Repeat it. There are some things that the parent absolutely must say, look, you know, this is the rule in our house. Right. I, yeah, require it and make repercussions if they don't. And you're going to get, well, there's the possibility that you're going to get accused of being legalistic and, you know, uh, pharisaical and all that stuff. But you know what? That's a small consequence to the alternative. Uh, so I really do think, that, and it needs to start very young and way younger than anyone realizes because this is a fundamental spiritual problem that we're dealing with here o- overall. But I want to apply some of this social justice stuff 
uh, to parenting in the home. There's been a lot of groveling, capitulation, and appeasement from big business lawmakers and law enforcement to these anarchist organizations and rioters, and, 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 with, and with little consequence for the, for the actual crimes they're committing. In fact, many are actually being rewarded for it. Big business is rewarding uh, some of these people. What's the historical and logical end of uh, such appeasement, and how can you relate some of this stuff to the parent-child relationship? What, what happens when you're always appeasing your kid, and you, know, you always want to see Junior smiling? Well, uh, it, it's counterproductive. You know, Trace, I've spoken in several dozen prisons, and one of the things when you sign a waiver to go speak in a jail, generally there'll be a line that says, uh, uh, please know uh, it's rare, it's, it's very unlikely, but in the event of a hostage situation, we will not negotiate for hostages. Because mm-hmm. here's the thing. If if an aggressor knows that they can give you an ultimatum and you will cave, then that will be a tool in their toolkit yes, that exactly. they will use when needed. Just like wise wardens don't negotiate with prisoners, uh, the, our government needs to stand up to these lawbreakers. All of this confusion and anarchy is happening because we as a country have lost our moral compass. Yeah, you're exactly right. And what you're saying is police work 101, and that's coming from a former policeman. Thank Uh, you for serving our country. uh, Well, thank you. But, uh, you know, a lot of of mental health professionals have been parsing out the term punishment and, and making it a stigmatized term that should have no place in the grander scheme of parental discipline as a whole. Should parents and mental health uh, professionals see the burning and tearing down of America and how the capitulation and appeasement by authorities have failed to quell it as emblematic of how appeasement, permissiveness, and this new dismissive view of punishment might have a similar negative effect with respect to the parent-child relationship? Because, uh, as you said, it never works. No, it doesn't. Um, Parents should lead uh, lovingly, um, gently. Um, redemptively, but parents need to lead decisively. Yeah, and punishment is part of that. I mean, God punishes, all right? And and you can't take punishment out of the grander scheme of of discipline as a whole. And yes, discipline is a preemptive uh, strategy as well. But if you take punishment out of the equation... People say, well, you know, that's, that's looking backwards. Well, so is history. History looks backwards, too. And we learn from history. So you cannot take punishment out of the equation. It's worked for thousands and thousands of years, and it's just now uh, become something that is, uh, well, we know more than God. We know more than history. And you, you, But as, as tough it is, as it is for parents to hear, I don't know how you can take that out of the equation. But we're seeing the, the logical outworking of that in our city streets today. Trace, would you say that some of the problem that we may be facing is punishment that is not appropriate for whatever the offense is? Sure. And, I mean, I'm talking from a parenting standpoint, Absolutely. too. We have not only lost the uh, the thinking about we need to punish, but we've also kind of lost our grip on how best to discipline, because that's really what we're talking about is discipline here over this offense versus that. Yeah, because you don't want to shoot a mosquito with a shotgun. Right. You know, <laughs> and, and, and so you, you, 
it, it goes back to training and, sure. and, and, and common sense. And uh, our buddy John Roseman wrote a book, uh, you know, Grandma Was Right After All. Right. And, you know, G.K. Chesterton said this, you know, before you tear down a fence, find out why it was put up to begin with. Exactly. But, Alex, exactly. brother, we are out of time. Next time oh, well. we get you on here, we need to do this two hours. We just need to, Well, know. I want to come down. Um, you're doing such a great work, and Shepherd's Hill Academy is just, uh, it's a, a God thing. And I have such a respect for all of your ministries, and it's always an honor to be on. So I'll come down, and we can record again very soon, I hope. Absolutely. Love to have you, buddy. Yeah, that would be great. And thank you for uh, connecting and joining us from your, your own place via the, the modern technology we call the Internet and whatnot. Uh, by the way, let me mention Alex's book once again. It's called America Under Assault, The Things We Must Do to Save Our Country While There's Still Time. That book due out in September. But you can actually go to a pre-order page on Amazon now if you want to find out more and get yourself on the list. And with that, we come to the end of another edition of Licensed to Parent. Remember, you'll find us online at LicensedToParent.org. And if you've missed uh, any of our past programs, please go on and hear them again. You'll find all of our archives there. Once again, LicensedToParent.org. That's our time for today. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosal, hoping you'll join us again next time to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.